Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 43 of the Chasing Bravery podcast. Today, I am speaking with Aaron Bonamy. Aaron, I hope I pronounced that right. If I didn't, I apologize. Robin is a PhD, a soon-to-be MD, a mother to baby Wade, wife to a Coast Guard officer, and a speedy runner. Robin was gracious enough to share her pregnancy and birth story, as well as valuable insight into the birth process from the lens of a soon-to-be medical doctor. Robin had the unique experience of completing rounds in labor and delivery the very day that she was unknowingly in labor. In the course of our conversation, Robin and I spoke not only of pregnancy and birth-related topics, we also chatted about what Robin will be specializing in, psychiatry, and our shared interest in neuroimaging. We mentioned some topics in this area, as well as a few books that you can find in the show notes, The Body Keeps the Score, and The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog. You can find Robin on Instagram at Run for Medicine. Robin was a pleasure to speak with. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I am sure that you will too. So I am here with Robin. Robin, let's just jump right in. Why don't you just start start by just telling me about how your pregnancy went? Um, yeah. So, well, um, I so I found out I was pregnant um, when I was like six or seven weeks pregnant, actually. So it was kind of a little bit later than some people, um, and that was fall of two thousand eighteen, right? Yes. Um, yeah. I think we had really similar due dates. Am I right about that? I, I feel yeah. like yeah. it was like very, I remember like, I'm having you tell me about your pregnancy, but I was definitely following along. You were due like mid-May, end of May. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So same. Yep. All right. Yeah. Keep going. Um, Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. It was really fun to follow um, <laughs> along. That was definitely, um, I was already kind of following you and listening to your podcast before that. And then when I think you announced you were pregnant before I did, but I knew I was pregnant at that time. And I was like, oh, oh we're like going to be pregnant at the same time. <laughs> uh, and, um, but anyway, so I, um, yeah, so it was really kind of funny. Um, I feel so fortunate, especially talking to people like you um, who <laughs> have had like a very, very, very good pregnancy experience. Um, uh, and so I, had like three days of nausea if that was it um which oh, I lucky like, duck. <laughs> yeah I know I like shouldn't even I can't even like talk and honestly that was the only way that I knew I was pregnant to be honest um wow. so I because I'd had like really inconsistent periods finishing since I decided to go off of um so I had been on the pill for a really long time the birth control pill and I decided to stop taking it like a year before and so I had really inconsistent periods since then. So I just kind of thought that, so it had been a little bit longer than since I'd had a period, but like that kind of, they'd been pretty inconsistent. So I wasn't that concerned about it. And I was so busy um, on my rotations as a third year medical student that um, I like honestly just kind of didn't even think about it. Um, <laughs> and then I had like three days where I was like, maybe I'm sick. Like, this is weird. Like I, feel really kind of nauseous. Like I'd finished my morning run and I'd felt kind of nauseous. And then like, I, I would 
like think about what I was what I'd brought myself for lunch because I always packed lunch and so I'd like be working in the clinic I was actually on um OBGYN <laughs> at the time and so I'd like be finishing and I would think like oh I have this for lunch or whatever and about to go eat my lunch and I'd be like that sounds horrible like why does that, like this is something I eat all the time why does this sound disgusting to me right now and I'd have to like force feed myself because I was working like 13 hour shifts and I was like I need to eat like why why do I not want this food so anyway um I finally like was like maybe I need to take a pregnancy test um and so it wasn't a totally planned pregnancy um uh, as probably clear by that story uh, <laughs> um it wasn't like completely off of our radar either um so um lo and behold I was I was pregnant we were really excited my husband and I had been married for um, like six years at that point and kind of weren't really sure like when children were going to fit into the picture we right. we thought for sure we probably wanted kids but we were like you know how is this ever going to work with you and um, I'd done my MD PhD so it had been it's been a really long time of uh, of school um, and and so and then I go to residency which is in many ways even worse than medical school um, in terms of like time management and having children um, it's getting better and I don't mean to say that badly about residents out there but um, it's it's just really hard you're working a lot of hours um, so we were just like you know when are we going to ever do this um, and so we just we kind of were like you know what it's like somebody else had a better plan and like the timing ended up being mm -hmm. about perfect for us um, fourth year of medical school is is busy but also like kind of flexible um and more flexible than any of the other years so it ended up working out really well mm. and so the rest of my pregnancy was like actually really good I worked I was in the clinic and did all my third year rotations medical school rotations um and um and so I was like running around the hospital and running to codes and um <laughs> doing all that and um, and running <laughs> and running yeah I, I um, continued to run I stopped running around 34 weeks um, I ran most of the weeks I tried to average around 40 miles a week um, and then I, I stopped running around 34 weeks because I I think his head was pressing like right on a nerve in my SI joint area and um it just even walking became like super painful but somehow the arc trainer um those things where your legs like swing up in front of you didn't hurt at all that was like the only movement that didn't hurt like even didn't it was better than walking so I would do that for like an hour every morning and that was like my hour of pain-free movement every day oh that's <laughs> um, awesome yeah. So, um, and then he actually surprised us and came at like 36 and a half weeks. So, um, I was not expecting a baby that early, <laughs> but, um, anyway, we can get into the rest of that, but, um, <laughs> so I didn't have to, so I, I ran almost to what ended up being the end because he came early. Um, right, right, right. Yeah. 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 Well, so I, feel like we um had a very similar takeaway from our preg our our unplanned pregnancy um which was that in the end we just I mean I don't know we've said a lot of times in the months since he's been born just thank goodness that this happened when it did because the timing ended up it, the timing ended up being perfect and we never would have if we had like we never would have sat down and planned it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's good that it just happened organically 
Um, Mm -hmm. So it sounds like very, very similar takeaways. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's so funny because I feel like these things you even if you do sit down and plan them like you can't plan these things like no your your body doesn't function on a plan like that um and and so um and especially for us um like the odds between my inconsistent periods we had a long distance marriage going that we finally finished last may so my husband and I were only seeing each other like two to three times a month for weekends. Mm-hmm. So like between all of that, the timing for everything to, to line up to actually yeah. like, to get pregnant, we were just like, how did that even happen? But yeah. you know, like some, somehow it, it worked out and it worked out for the right reasons. So yeah, he was, he was meant to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you had a early delivery um, <laughs> and I've, you know, I, I remember getting on Instagram one day and being like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. baby. And then being like, you know, really happy right away to see that it seemed like you were doing well. Um, so tell, tell me about that. What, how did that go down? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So I, I'd had like some back cramps, um, off and on for like a week. And so my doctor was kind of like, you know, I don't think you're going to make it to 40 weeks. Um, because, so I actually like, I'd talked to my doctor already, um, and said, uh, I need to, I think I need to have an induction at 40 weeks if, um, he hasn't come yet because, and I knew we were having a boy at that point, but, um, because I, I, uh, we, we had to, I had to finish my third year of medical school and then we had to move and sell our house in Michigan. And we were moving to DC and my husband because my husband was working in DC and I was able to start my fourth year of medical school and I was able to do almost all of my fourth year of medical school remotely. And I had applied for all these away electives in the DC area. And so I was like, like this baby needs to come by the end of May. Cause otherwise um, this sounds terrible. And I don't mean to be like, our life is like planned and you know, but, it, but no, it, we were fine. I get we, it. We just, we have to, we had to, and, and I knew in a med, in medicine, I'm in medicine. I read a bunch of studies. Like I knew the risks of the, an induction at 40 weeks were minimal. And so I talked to my doctor extensively about it leading up and she was like, she was on, she was very much on board with it. And she was like, you know, I don't, I don't think you're even going to get the 40 weeks as we got closer. She was like, if something tells me like this baby's not going to go to 40 weeks, but mm-hmm. she's like, if you do, like, I understand, like we can do that. Um, also not to mention that my husband was living still in DC during all of this. And so I was like, you know, also if we can do an induction, then we know for sure my husband will be there. Um, right. It's nice. <laughs> to right. That's me. important. Um, yeah. So, but so we, um, so anyway, so uh, starting around 36 weeks, I like the end of 35, beginning of 36, um, I started to have a lot more like cramping and um, which you know, were some mild contractions, but I just thought it was like Braxton Hicks and stuff. And it wasn't a big deal. She, you know, my, my doctor wasn't worried. Um, and then I actually that week, um, so like on Wednesday, I guess it was of that week, I actually went to the hospital to get checked because, um, I, I stopped feeling him move nearly as much. Like I could still feel him kick a little bit, but I didn't feel him moving nearly as much. And I have a special needs brother. Um, and my mom went in with him, um, because she wasn't feeling him move and they delivered him like immediately and were like, you know, if you hadn't come in, like he probably wouldn't have survived. And so of course that's on my mind um, very clearly in my head. And so I was like, okay, so as soon as, um, 
and so they checked him and, you know, and did the MST on the non-stress testing and everything was fine. They even did like a full ultrasound at that point. Um, and they were like, you know, he's, he's completely fine. He's just like really squeezed for room. Like you're not a tall person and, um, he's just like really cramped. So he, you're not feeling him move, but we see him moving a lot. And I was like, okay. Um, and so I went home and that was Wednesday night. Um, and then I woke up Thursday morning and I had more of the back cramping and I was kind of like, okay, that's weird. Um, you know, or like, that's kind of been what it's been. And, uh, so I, I went to the gym as normal and I did my hour on the arc trainer. Um, <laughs> and then I went to the clinic and I was actually on pediatrics at the time. So I went to the pediatrics clinic, I was rotating in and started working. And by the end of the morning, I was like, you know, like people say the last three weeks of pregnancy are tough, but like, this is getting really hard. Like I, I, I'm like struggling to stand through like a full patient counter. Like I was like leaning on counters. I'm like talking to patients and then just like, you know, went in there with the doctor, like, well, he was (laughs) the patients and these kids. And I'm just like, like counting down the minutes, like hoping that the encounter is going to end soon. And like, when can I go sit down again? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is awful. Like, I don't think I can survive three weeks of this. And so this is like going on and like, were you in active labor and you didn't know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> finally, finally, he like he had meetings that afternoon. So he was like, "Oh, you know, you can just like leave early." And I was like, "Oh, thank goodness," because I'm like, it, I'd like really like to just go sit down. And so he was like, "You know, normally I would have normally I would have been like, oh, I'll shadow another or I'll like work with another doctor. You know, can I see other kids?" But that day I was just like, "Great, thanks. Okay, sure, yeah." <laughs> Me like goodbye. So I I just like left the clinic and I had an OB appointment that like later that day anyway at like three o'clock or something so I was like okay I'm just gonna go home for um I think I left the clinic at like one and went home and then had my OB appointment at three and I went to my appointment and my doctor's like uh I think I need to check you like I think you're in labor and I was like oh okay um and so she checked me and was like yeah you're five centimeters dilated and oh all right well that's why I'm uncomfortable wow (laughs) because I just kept being like how do people make it through the last three weeks of pregnancy if this is how bad it is oh my goodness like no this is not normal (laughs) you're in labor and I was like oh so I should call my husband and he should try to come from DC and she was like yes (laughs) and I was like okay um and she was like yeah you can like so I was like driving myself around and she's like, you can drive yourself home and get your stuff and everything, but like, you should go to the hospital in a little bit. I was like, okay. So I like go home and, um, call my husband and I was like, uh, you need to try to get on an airplane. Um, and he was like, okay. And, uh, and so I went home and like got my stuff together and then and drove to the hospital, um, and went in and, um, and so, but, so I got to the hospital around five or 6 PM, but so at that point he was 36 weeks and four days. And so they said, um, well, you know, we'll monitor you and you are having contractions and everything. And, but I hadn't changed at that point. That had been a couple hours and I was still, um, five centimeters. And they were like, you know, we, 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 we won't do anything to augment your labor because he's, he's premature. Um, and so you just have to ride it out and, um, for at least 24 hours. And I was like, okay. And so they, um, and they said, you know, or this might be like a false alarm and you might actually like not go into labor right now. And I was like, okay. Um, and so I, um, they gave me a shot of beta methasone, which is the steroid that they give all people 
below 37 weeks. It's really yes. only necessary below 32 weeks, but whatever. Um, and and he was to, a boy, so I'm sure they wanted to just. Yeah, just yeah. to be sure. Um, so I, but so then my body basically like stalled out and I was having contractions every like three-ish minutes. Um, and, but I wasn't changing. I didn't dilate. Nothing happened. Um, they ended up admitting me at first. They just kept me in the triage area for a for a couple more hours. And then they were like, okay, I guess we'll give you a room. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and meanwhile, my husband was trying to get from DC to Michigan, but, um, there was huge thunderstorms going through. And so all these flights were canceled and delayed. And so he couldn't, and he didn't have a car even in DC. So he would have had to rent a car and it's like a nine hour drive. Um, and so he, he, um, he was just trying to get on different flights and they kept canceling and delaying flights. And, um, so, you know, it was, it was interesting because it was almost like my body knew, um, that it shouldn't keep going. Um, and so I, I just, I just had to, I just waited and, you know, it was like seven hours, um, that I was just having contractions, but I wasn't dilating anymore and my husband couldn't get there. Um, and so finally my husband got there at like 1 AM and then, um, I, uh, finally at like four, probably around two thirty-three, I guess they, they, I let them give me like a tiny, tiny dose of pain medication, just, um, IV pain medication, not an epidural or anything. And, um, and I, and just like a, I, I had them give me like a half of a half of the normal dose <laughs> and it was safe. It was like a safe pain med for, um, for pregnancy and everything. And, um, and that allowed me to sleep like an hour, which was amazing. Cause I was like, I don't like, if I have to go through another, you know, 20 hours of this, like this, I need to sleep at least a little. Um, and so I, I slept for an hour and I think that that just like being able to relax at that point, um, I woke up and within like 20 minutes, my water broke and went from mm-hmm. like, and then I was like eight centimeters dilated. And then I went to 10 centimeters dilated really quickly. Um, and by like 6am I was, um, like ready to, to push. And, um, so it was like an hour, hour and a half. And then they, um, and then they, they were like calling a doctor cause it wasn't a hospital that was staffed with doctors, uh, 24 hours. Wait, was your husband there? No. Yeah. So yeah. So he got there at like 1am. Sorry. Oh, good. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So he came at like 1am. Then they gave me the pain medication at like three and then at like four 30, I, my water broke. And then I was like, went to complete. And then I started pushing at like six and I had a baby at like six fifteen. So wow. um, yeah. So the end went really fast. Um, the beginning went really slow. Um, but I was just really grateful to have um, my husband be able to be there. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't, you know, have an epidural or anything. Um, and, and so that was, that was all really good. Um, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was crazy. It was, I honestly think running helped a lot. Um, I don't know. We can, we can get into it. Did you, did you end up having, and I know, I don't know if you want to share your stories, separately, oh, yeah. but did you end up having an epidural or did you? Uh... <laughs> well, so it's, we, we, it sounds like have very um, diff, well, not super diff. It's interesting listening to your stories, your story compared to mine. So I did end up having an epidural because I, um, 
I, so you're going to hear this and you're knowing that you have a background in medicine, you're going to be like, wait, what? So I being new to Illinois, um, and not really having a good pulse on like how to pick an OB and also having a very unplanned pregnancy. I, um, I just sort of ended up with somebody that my insurance that, you know, took my insurance and had availability. Um, and I, I didn't know enough to know that there were things like, I didn't feel super comfortable with certain things, but I didn't necessarily know enough to be like, oh, that's a red flag. So one of the big things was that my OB, um, when I first was pregnant was like not telling me my due date. She wasn't giving me like a specific, like she was giving me like a time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, but she wouldn't say like what my actual due date was, which was very confusing for me. Um, and then the other thing that happened was that I was dilated very early. So from like 20 weeks on, I was about one centimeter dilated, which okay. is uncommon with like, I guess like a first pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. and I was having a lot of prodromal labor, um, mostly because he wasn't flipping. He didn't flip into like 35 weeks. Um, yeah, you saying yeah. 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 So he was like kicking, like, it felt like he was kicking my cervix. Um, so anyways, the long story short is that I went in for my weekly appointment and my OB must have felt like labor was probably imminent. And in hindsight, what she said was that she was like, oh, you know, I'm just like worried that I'm not going to be able to deliver you. Um because I'm going away this weekend. And so as she was checking me, she was like, I'm just going to strip your membranes while she was checking me. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Right. I knew you're, I, yeah. <laughs> and how, how dilated were you? Um, I was about two centimeters. And so that flew like threw me into labor, obviously, yeah. Yeah. Um, because it does in most women. And luckily by some just serendipitous coincidence. My mom, because I was struggling and having a lot of prodromal labor and in a lot of pain, my mom flew, was, was literally flying out that day, not because I was having the baby anytime soon, but because she just wanted to be there with me just because I was struggling. Um, and so she got there and I was in full like labor. So we got to the hospital, they admitted me and then my labor stalled. Um, Mm -hmm. and the doctor, my doctor, my OB got there in the morning and before she got there, she was on the phone with the nurse trying to tell the nurse, well, telling the nurse to try to get me to start Pitocin. And I was like, no, like, I don't want to start Pitocin. Like, why don't you just break my water? Um, because I like, again, naive, I didn't really understand until she got there and she said, well, technically you're only 36 weeks. So I can't do anything. Like I can't break your water. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I thought I was further along than that. Like you led me to believe that I was like, 37 and a half weeks and like just kind of mind blown. Luckily my mom was there. Um, and she kind of went into full blown like mama bear mode and was like, all right, well, good thing the baby didn't come and like got us home, me and my husband. And somehow within like a day and a half had 
found an OB that she had done, like did all this research and got me switched. Like I was able to switch OBs. Um, but my aunt, who is actually the head of obstetrics um, at a um, hospital in Pittsburgh, my mom called her and she was like, okay, first of all, that's ludicrous. Like ACOG does not, like you can't strip a woman's mem- membranes um, at 36 weeks. Like that's completely not okay. Um, yeah. And that shouldn't have happened. And then also she said to my mom, like, she's not going to walk around four centimeters dilated. Like that just doesn't happen. Um, and so sure enough, my mom got on a plane and like within two hours after she left, my water broke. <laughs> um, and then nothing happened because the baby wasn't ready to come, but my water broke because I was walking around dilated. Um, uh-huh. yeah. So then like, luckily my new OB was fantastic and he was very open to letting me go as long as possible. So, I mean, he broke my, like fully broke my water and then let me go without Pitocin for like four hours. Nothing happened, put me on Pitocin, kept bumping up the dose. Finally, I was on the highest dose of Pitocin and my contractions were like, there was no pause between them. And so I was like, get me the epidural. <laughs> Cause it was so painful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I ended up it was 36 hours, um, total. And I had been through two rounds of antibiotics. Um, and my doctor was like, all right, we're going to prep you for a C-section. And so he sent my husband down to go get something to eat. And cause he was like, you know, you don't want to go into a C-section without having food in your stomach. And all of a sudden I felt something shift. And I said to my mom, like, I think, oh, and then my mom got back on a plane to come back. (laughs) So I felt something shift. And I I said, I think something changed. So my mom got the nurse and the nurse was like, oh my God, you're, you're 10 centimeters. So, um, yeah, my husband got a text from my mom saying 10 centimeters, lots of hair. (laughs) That's crazy. Long, long story, but yes, I did get an epidural. Um, And I think it was the only reason why I was able to avoid, in my scenario, I think it was the only reason why I avoided a C-section because I don't think my body would have relaxed enough. um, For sure. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't have, I don't think it would have all come together and it almost didn't. (laughs) Yeah, no. And I I think, I think um, even though I didn't, I didn't have an epidural, but I think for me, it was the same. Like it wasn't until I had them let them give me like a tiny dose of of pain medication that just like allowed me to to sleep for an hour and not feel right. the contractions because I was I was having contractions yeah every like one to three minutes and it's like you can't sleep through that um yeah. and and so and I could make it through the contractions but I was like you know they were like you could be doing this for another like I mean at that point it was closing in on 24 hours that I since I'd started labor but I didn't I didn't know it um and and they were like you know you you uh could could, we, we won't start augmenting it, giving you Pitocin or anything until for another 12 hours from now. And mm. so I was like, uh, okay, well, if I have to, you know, if, if I'm not going to sleep for that long. So, um, but, but then, yeah, as soon as you relax, um, which I think is how like a lot of those hypnotic stuff and like the uh, birth hypnosis and things like that and water birth really help because, yeah. um, because you just relax um, and, and you do it naturally, but um but yeah, that, um, it, I think it is, it's so true. But like, as soon as you let your body relax, it just, it just knows what to do. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy how 
that seems to be such a key component. Yeah. And it makes me wonder too, like, um, did you have any sort of a birth plan before? I mean, Um, like, did you have an idea of what you were wanting? I mean, you weren't, you didn't think you were going to be delivering when you were, but (laughs) if it had been, you know, around the 39 week mark or whatever, did you have like sort of a idea in mind? Yeah, I, I, I had hoped to do it without an epidural. Um, that was kind of my plan all along. Um, so that was, I guess that was kind of the only thing that I'd really, um, I'd, I'd wanted to do. Um, and not really for any, I I don't even have a concrete reason. I just kind of, um, just didn't, didn't really want one. (laughs) And yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I think, I think a lot of women do. Um, and, you know, I've seen tons of them done and I've been in, I've delivered babies and been in, you know, so many C-sections and uh, natural deliveries and, um, and, you know, they're always, they're fine, they're successful, but just, it kind of scared me something about it, even though, um, even though I, I helped so many women, um, have them and go through them. Uh, so yeah, so that was, that was kind of the only thing that I sort of had in my head of like, I don't know if I really want to do that. I'd rather, you know, do it naturally. Um, and I, um, and, and it turned out to be, to be okay. I mean, certainly it was painful. Um, but but as long as I, um, I was able to just kind of, I, I actually just, just went completely back to like running and, um, and just really felt like, I was just had to, to breathe through it, just like you do in the end of like a race or when you're running really hard or running reps or whatever. Uh-huh. And, and I was like, Oh, this is actually at least, you know, you, you get like a, at least 30 seconds or something, a break, um, yeah. in between sometimes. And so that, um, you know, I just focused on getting through each one, just like you get through each kind of mile. And I really like went into that headspace of, um, of feeling like I was, I was like focusing on each mile, um, one at a time. And, uh, like I've done in so many marathons and stuff and it made a huge difference. Um, and that that I think was like really just instrumental in allowing me to, um, to, to, to keep going. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, so, so I guess in that way it, it, you know, I didn't, I didn't have like a huge plan, but whatever small plans I had, um, did work out I'd always been really interested in doing like a water birth and that was something that I would have loved to do but I didn't have um the offer I didn't have the option um, right at the hospital I was, I was in like a normal hospital um I wasn't at a uh I it's a teaching hospital but it doesn't have OBGYN residents and that um I really picked on purpose I really liked um not that there's anything wrong with teaching hospitals I'm about to be a resident and I um I've, you know, been very, very fortunate medical student in, and I'm so appreciative of patients allowing me to be in there, but I just, there was something about it that I was just like, I, I don't know if I really want uh, medical students and residents. I mean, residents fine, but um, I didn't know if I really wanted medical students uh, in my delivery room as a medical student myself. Um, yeah. So yeah. I was um, at a small hospital. Um, I also uh, really liked, I was at a, like a small hospital that allowed you to stay in your delivery room afterwards, which I really liked. Um, so where I trained, 
um, in medical school was all at bit, these kind of huge hospitals. And so we immediately transitioned people from their delivery room to the antepartum or postpartum rooms. Um, and the postpartum rooms are typically much smaller and kind of all, um, they don't have, you know, um, a lot of space or a lot of space for the um, significant other to, to sleep or anything. And um, and so I really liked that this is, this was like a much smaller, much calmer um, hospital and you got to keep your huge, gigantic delivery room the whole time you were admitted. Uh, yeah, I had that too. And I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was so nice. Um, and so, so I, I really liked um, pieces of that, that I hadn't, I hadn't even really necessarily kind of thought through ahead of time um and then really appreciated it in the in the moment I thought through it a little bit but it wasn't that purposeful and then was kind of like oh wow I'm really glad that this <laughs> this is the way it is um, yeah especially because yeah. I I ended up being there for um 48 hours after delivery right. um because we were early so yeah did he need any sort of like jaundice light or anything he didn't. He needed um, frequent blood sugar checks, and um, we had to kind of force feed him um, breast milk. Uh, we actually, I ended up using some donated breast milk um, that the hospital offered, which was really nice um, that they had that option, because yeah. obviously my my milk was still mostly colostrum, and um, and so he would. They had me on like a strict regimen of breastfeeding for. I think like 10 or 15 minutes and then giving him um, like an ounce or two ounces or an ounce and a half of donated milk um, to try to keep his blood sugar up. Cause we were having a lot of problems with his blood sugar, sugar dropping for like the first 12 mm. hours. Um, but then after that, he, um, he was okay. And they just, they didn't want him overworking trying to, to breastfeed. Um, right. Right. They were like, you know, if he breastfeeds for like half an hour, he's going to burn more calories than he'll do. <laughs> Um, right. So, it's so hard for them. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and so, um, so we did that. Yeah. Mm. So who was there for his birth and tell me, tell me about what, what it was like the first moment you saw him. Cause I, that was one of the most memorable things I've ever experienced. So I'd love to hear your description of what it was like the moment you saw your baby and who was present for his birth. Yeah. So the only person present was my husband. Um, Mm -hmm. He was the only one in the state actually. Um, And which was kind of fun. We ended up having like almost a week where it was just the two of us um, after, I mean, or I guess the three of us, (laughs) but um, we didn't have um, any family coming in for a few days. So that was kind of nice in some ways. Um, And yeah, it was, I mean, it was amazing. Um, I, I couldn't really believe it. I think I just kept saying to my husband, like, I can't believe he's real. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, for so long, you just kind of feel this being inside you. And I felt him kicking and everything. And I knew he was obviously knew he was there. And I, but and I'd seen babies born um, before, but, um, but it was just so weird to, to finally like hold him and see him. And I was like, wow, it, he exists like in real life. Um, and, Do you have like an image of him like coming at you for the first time? Um, like when they, you know, when they lift them out? And, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do a bit. Um, it's, 
there's like a pic we have like a picture too taken like within a few minutes right after that moment so it's kind of blended between like the picture you know how you kind of almost sometimes replace memories with a picture right Um, I kind of have like half the actual memory and then half the picture too um but yeah no I do um and then of course I'm just like a person who like intellectualizes things especially when I'm in moments of a lot of emotion I think and um so of course I just was like going through his um his score his Apgar score and like making sure that (laughs) and like okay are you giving him like a eight and then like a we'll check again in five minutes and you'll give him like a nine and I was like yeah I think his color is still slightly and she was like yeah you don't need to like worry about this because <laughs> um that's just sort of the where my my mind goes when I especially when I get really like uh anytime there's a lot of emotion I usually just go straight to like intellectualizing it to understand right it. um so yeah <laughs> so, um, but no it was it was um certainly it was amazing and Ah, uh, yeah. And he just like, yeah, he immediately tried to pick up his head and like look at me, which is really oh. cool. But there's so he was he was pretty small. Um, so he was only like five pounds thirteen ounces. Um, so because he he was um still premature, so he, you know, he was just so tiny. Um, but uh, but yeah. No, was, <laughs> Do you remember your husband's reaction? That's the one thing I didn't like. for some reason I didn't get a full like I I don't really remember my husband's reaction except for that in like seeing the pictures and then hearing like my mom and his mom talk about his reaction like that's really the only way that I know like like I don't remember it myself but were you cognizant of your husband's reaction um somewhat and then obviously I've heard my husband talk about it um yeah but yeah, my husband was just like blown away and just so in love with him. Um, so that was really cool to see. Uh, and he like watched him come out and just like loved that. Um, and um, yeah, so that that was really cool and really neat to to have, you know, have him just like fall in love with him immediately. Yeah, I remember talking to Chad like quite a bit as Cruz was like still inside me and Chad just was like, you know, just kind of very open about the fact that like he loved Cruz, but he just was like, I just like, I'm jealous of you because I just don't, I don't feel what you're feeling. And you have this like connection that you don't even really know how to describe because you're growing him. And um, I think that it, like he's said since then that like the moment Cruz was born, it was like, everything that like I had been feeling feeling for the past like eight months it was like whoosh like you know like kind of hit him all at once um yeah I think I think it was similar for my husband as well yeah and in a lot of ways I think he was more like aware of like I think he was more present than I was because you know I was sort of I mean I was totally like in love and excited and happy but I also just it kind of felt like a fishbowl memory like it feels like a fishbowl memory to me like I'm like remembering things through by like looking through a fishbowl if that makes any sense mm-hmm. like it's kind of fuzzy <laughs> um but I think for him it was just very like vivid and clear um yeah for sure which I'm kind of jealous of in a way but yeah. uh, you know like yeah I, guess I got yeah. to grow him and have that connection so it's kind of nice that the people on the other side get to be a little more present for 
the birth. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And I do yeah. remember, like one of my like really vivid memories is the doctor. I remember saying like, okay, this next like contraction and push, you're going to have a baby. Like you'll be holding him after this next one. And yeah. I remember that like, I was having such a hard time, like waiting for the next contraction to come. Like I just kept trying to push and she's like, no, no, you have to like, you have to wait for the contraction. Like you've been doing great. Just like this next. And I was like, but, like maybe this is it now. And she's like, no, you're not having a contraction. You have to wait. Like You can't just push him out without it. <laughs> but I just like, remember like, I both like wanted it to be done and obviously wanted him more than anything. And so I just like, so eager, to, um, but finally it came or whatever. And then, um, and then it was fine, but yeah. Um, but I, and the other, the other thing I think is so funny that um, it just always makes me laugh in like the world of Instagram is, and if, you know, pictures um, is that like, you know, we have these amazing pictures of like, the three the three of us of like him on my chest and you know my husband like leaning in next to me and and all three of us and it's like this beautiful like amazing picture a few minutes after he was born and I love it and then I'm like yeah and what nobody knows is that like on the other side of that curtain is someone like sewing me up and putting stitches in me <laughs> like a drape like over my knees that, and like the picture is just like cut off at my you know my chest so you can't see that that drape but like oh, I'm that's like, yeah. hilarious and, like during this picture is like there's this drape and there's like someone like sewing me like together <laughs> again back together yeah. yeah I'm like oh my gosh this is such a like uh, it's just it just makes me laugh it's um you know we have these like perfect pictures and then what you don't realize is actually going on <laughs> what's what's cropped out <laughs> right. <laughs> right right I um I asked for a mirror. Um, I was really thankful because my epidural wore off by the time, like I, by the time I, I was actually like actively pushing, my epidural had worn off. And so that was good. Cause like I could feel, um, which I honestly, now that I think about it, I think the biggest thing with me and not wanting an epidural was because even though I had never had one before, I didn't want anything that would take away like my control. And mm -hmm. after having had one, I'm like, Oh, anything I can do to avoid that going forward. Cause I hated it. I hated not being able to move parts of my body. Like, Oh, it yeah. was not any, like I felt it made me feel just super trapped. Um, so luckily that was done by the time I was actively pushing. And so I asked for a mirror because I wanted, <laughs> wanted to be able to see what was going on. Um, and so and it was great. Like it was very helpful. Um, and I got like super competitive. My mom was like, I bet you'll, it was like three forty, And she was like, I bet you'll have him out by four 30. And I was like, I'm going to have him out by four. <laughs> like, <laughs> so um, but then I, I tore and nobody moved yeah. the mirror. Like, I don't think anyone was cognizant of it. And so Cruz had some, he had a very low Apgar score when he came out. So they like kind of pulled him off me really quickly and moved him away. So mm -hmm. I was looking over at him and then I looked back and I was like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I remember saying to my doctor, am I going to be okay? And then he was like to one of the nurses, I just remember him saying, let's move the mirror now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's so true. And I think, and I do remember, like I do, remember I can see why having a mirror like would be so helpful especially if you haven't like for most people who haven't seen babies be born because like for me I 
um, I didn't even think about having a mirror, but I remember like, as she would say things, they would say like, oh, we can see this. And in my head, I could picture it so well. Right. I've seen it so many times that I was just yeah. like, exactly you almost like didn't that. need one. That's where you are right now. And that's where we are. And, and um, so, yeah, I could, I could see that um, for sure. And, and I was actually the most, the thing without an epidural, the thing I was most terrified of was the stitching at the end. Cause inherently, like, even if you only tear a little bit, no matter how much you tear, like, you know, inherently most, almost everybody, unless it's like your fourth kid needs some stitches. Right. And I just remember, I always like, that was my, I was just so terrified of the stitching at the end. Um, but luckily my, the, it wasn't even my OB who delivered me cause it was a, a group that I was part of. Um, and so it was just whoever was on call that day, but um, she did a great job with the lidocaine and I didn't feel anything. So that was so great. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I felt her give me that shot, but then, you know, I didn't feel the stitches going in, um, which was great because that previously had been like one of my biggest fears, um, was <laughs> the stitching. <laughs> just, I think having like been part of stitching up other people, I was just like, oh gosh, like I just, that looks so terrible. Um, yeah. Uh, so but well, I can imagine that you just have you had so much more knowledge than most people do going into the whole experience that I mean, in some ways, it was probably really beneficial because you had that knowledge. But then also, you probably were more aware of like all the little things that could go wrong and all of the things that you wouldn't want to have happen. And it sounds yeah. a little bit like a double edged sword in some ways. Yeah, I think I think so. Especially I would say especially during pregnancy, like I would worry about like the stupidest things and and subsequently when especially when Wade was um in his first few weeks of life I just would my poor husband would just be like okay like are you really concerned about this or like you think it's just you know because I I knew um like there's there's things like pyloric stenosis which like we um it's like very it's 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 not very common but if it's going to happen it's more likely in firstborn males around the age of like six weeks old, which is where like the outlet of their stomach becomes hypertrophied. So it like enlarges and the contents of their stomach don't go through. And so they need like a very simple procedure and very simple surgery to like open it up and to, to stop that from happening. And so of course, like any time between the ages of like six weeks and eight weeks, anytime he spit up, if it was slightly more forceful than normal, I'd be like, oh my gosh, we need to watch him for the next like, <laughs> and my husband was like Were you oh. like charting things? <laughs> And, and like now, especially looking back, I'm just like, you are ridiculous. Like, of course he just was like probably spitting up more forcefully, but, um, but you know, I, we, we, it's so hard in medical school, especially because you, you only train, like you answer just hundreds and hundreds of these questions that are geared towards things going wrong. And, um, and so it's just like these scenarios and you're just identifying things going wrong. And so, um, you just have to, uh, anyway so that was that was uh probably not that was when it was probably not beneficial um to know right more. but okay so what you just said is really interesting to me and I don't know if you thought about this but you're in medical school so you are more equipped to answer I think this question I think people there are some people who are highly critical of the way that birth has been, you know, there are people that are like, oh, birth has been medicalized. And, you know, uh, 
I'm sure that you're aware of all of the different views on, you know, how birth has come to, you know, where we're at today with birth in this country and, you know, the alarming number of C-section rates and just all of those statistics. But given that you're in medical school and what you just said about how you're almost prepped and trained to look for the problems and to think about what could go wrong because it's your job to know what could go wrong. Do you, I guess, just give me your thoughts on that because I think sometimes people are harder on the medical community than they should be given that your training is such that you are supposed to be on the lookout for what could happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I guess maybe I'm like ignorant or just like haven't, um, haven't read a lot of those things because I've come from like a biased perspective of medicine. Um, I Mm -hmm. don't really, I'm not super in tune with like all the contradictory um, viewpoints out there. Um, I do know that, you know, a lot of people have home births or a lot of people like talk about water births, home births, um, natural births, um, things like that. And um, that those, you know, people really talk about the benefits of those. And I, I, I honestly have nothing against, like, I, I think that's great for people who are especially healthy people with low risk. Um, if, if you want to do that, then like the, all the power to you. Um, I think you need to have a contingency plan. Um, I would never let like a close friend of mine do it without being like, okay, you need to know for sure that whoever is helping you, the midwife who's helping you knows when to call an ambulance or 911. And you need to know that you're cl- like, I, w- I would, I would make sure that personally, whoever it is, is close enough to um, a hospital um, that yeah. they'd be okay if something were to go wrong. And I don't think I would ever feel comfortable um, having a baby outside of a, a medical setting just because mm-hmm. um, I know all the things that can go wrong. And especially like for the, for the mom, especially too, I mean, things like with postpartum hemorrhage or placenta being um, implanted, um, placenta accreta where your placenta is like grown too much into the um, uterus wall and it doesn't you know separate well and things like that that um you you don't know it's a lot of those things aren't known before the baby's born and um can lead to uh to mothers um dying in in childbirth still in this day and age and so things like that um are like scary enough to me that 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 makes me uh, more biased towards towards being in a medical setting um but I've, mm-hmm. I've worked with um so I uh I guess the two other things I'll say is that the hospital one of the hospitals especially that I did a week of labor and delivery at um we hardly they hardly ever do c-sections they um really try to push their c-section rate as low as possible and will give the woman the mom like every possible opportunity to not have a c-section if possible um and and i think a lot of hospitals are going that way uh, Mm -hmm. which is good to see um and and so i have never been a part of a team um where i felt like they were pushing c-section when it wasn't warranted or um or or kind of c-section happy like everybody um you know, and we often as students would be like, yeah, we've hardly seen, we haven't seen very many C-sections because there's just not very many happening right now. Um, mm-hmm. um, 
and now at the bigger hospitals, we would do see we saw more C-sections in like higher risk patients or patients that needed the C-sections um, for medical reasons. And um, and I guess the other the other piece that I think is interesting is that as medical students, we also rotated and trained with midwives. Um, and so I did deliver babies with midwives only in the room and without a doctor. Um, and so that was really interesting and um, good, valuable experience, I think. Wow. And I also spent, um, spent when I was on, I spent nights. So I, I did a bunch of nights, um, like the 7 to 7, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. shifts on, on labor and delivery. Um, and I, I worked like shadowed only nurses um, pretty much. And then the, the doctors would just come in just to deliver the baby. And so um, that was, I think, a really good experience to be able to spend. I mean, I'm sure as you know, like you hardly saw the doctor at all. You mostly just <laughs> nurses. Um, and so yes. I think that's um, also maybe, I hope it's, it's universal among medical students, but I don't know. But um, as a medical student to be able to just spend those hours like with laboring women and with the nurses and seeing the nurses like let's test different positions let's help you do this let's turn you let's do that right um, and and it depends on how busy the hospital is at the time um, but that was a really like good experience um, so yeah so I, I think it's it's I think you know hopefully uh, people are gaining big gaining more um confidence in the medical system but um yeah but there's also and I think most people do I just think that there's I just think that there's not a lot of like I think what you just shared was such great um insight because I mean I would have never known that that's that you that your training included spending time with the nurses and you know spending time with a laboring woman and all of that valuable behind the scenes stuff that happens before like the big moment where the baby's born, but all that stuff is very important too. And, and I don't think most people understand that, um, that there's a lot that goes into a doctor being a doc, <laughs> being a doctor, particularly if they have, you know, specialized in obstetrics. Um, and so I think all that you just shared was super valuable insight, um, for anyone who is, just feeling like they're not sure about things because I just think there's a lot of information out there um, about the difference between medical birth, you know, going to a hospital or using um, like a home birth center or, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, and you know, like the film, the business of giving birth, I feel like that's given a lot of people pause. Um, So I don't know. I just thought that that was great insight that you, that you brought to the, to the table. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I, I mean, thanks. And, but I do think like, you know, it, it is hard because as a resident, um, which is the four years. So to, to become an OBGYN, you do four years after medical school training as a resident. And during that residency time, um, you know, I've never done it, but I've, I've worked closely with residents and, you know, they are working long hours and, and they are very busy and they're rotating between different services doing all because OBGYNs do all kinds of things not just labor and delivery um and so um they uh they are very very busy and probably doing less of that um and so I think that that's one unique thing about being a medical student is that you sort of have this like uh, opportunity where you have more time because you're not responsible for 
nearly as many patients and you're not the one writing all the notes for everybody. You're not, um, you, you have far fewer responsibilities than a resident. Um, and so we kind of had this like unique window where we had more time than um, we will later in training. And, and I think it, it's um, like, I'm, I'm not going to be an OBGYN. I'm not going to residency for that. Um, but it's something that I'll like carry with me forever that I did do eight weeks of it. Um, and, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but I think it's, it's enough <laughs> to know what, what's going on yeah. a little. Um, and it's on all my board exams um, up through my, um, to become a licensed MD. And then once I specialize in residency, my final board exams to be a board licensed um, physician in my specialty will, will not be on OBGYN. But up until that point, I have to answer questions and know all the screenings and, and everything. Um, and uh, certainly nowhere near to the extreme of, of somebody who's going to residency. I don't want to take away what they're doing because that's, you know, a whole nother level, clearly. Um, but, mm-hmm. um, but it is, uh, it's good to, it's good to learn. So. Yeah. So what are you thinking that you're going to specialize in? Um, so I am uh, applying, well, I did apply and I, I can say now that I did match. So I will be going to residency um, to be a psychiatrist. Um, so cool. Uh, and um, specifically into uh, hopefully, I guess I should say, um, into programs with uh, neuroscience research um, track. And so I'm oh, trying cool. to do a combined um, research, a bunch of um, neuroscience research with, uh, with my residency. Um, and so a lot of programs sort of have this, this track that I can do. Um, and so I'll find out for sure if I got one of those tracks and uh, where um, on Friday. So congratulations thanks um I will go to psychiatry residency somewhere I just don't know exactly where and what oh that is so exciting what um are you already do you already have your PhD I do yes um I do and is that in um what what is that in um it's in neuro it's in the field is technically in biomedical engineering, but it's in um, neuroimaging. Um, so I studied um, PET imaging, uh, which is positron emission tomography. Um, and so I looked at uh, specific enzymes in the brain and um, studied these epigenetic enzymes. Um, so trying to visualize these epigenetic changes in the brain using uh, PET imaging. Um, Oh, so cool. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was cool. It was, it was great. So I'm hoping to kind of continue that work and look at um, epigenetic changes in certain psychiatric disorders um, in my uh, residency, but we will see. <laughs> um, have to, wow. That's, that's my hope. Well, that is, I am, I could, totally nerd out for like hours and ask you a million questions because I, that's, I'm very passionate about, um, neuroimaging and using, um, the research that's coming out of that field, um, when it comes to working with, with populations that have experienced trauma, but I did just hear a little baby noise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, you did just wake up, but, uh, (laughs) um, But no, that's actually, that's one thing that I'm um, interested in working on is looking at um, trauma um, uh, and the epigenetic changes that have occurred after um, trauma. 
So, so are you a fan of Bruce Perry? You gotta be, I'm sure. Um, I honestly, I don't know who that is. Maybe I should. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, I mean, if you have some time, um, his book, it's called, um, a boy who was raised by dogs. Um, Oh, I've heard the book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would give it a look because it's, you know, I, I think it's really fascinating. Um, and a lot of the curriculum that I use with my students is based off of his, he's a psychiatrist, um, by training, um, but also I believe has a PhD in something related, some, something similar to what you have a PhD in. Um, I'm not going to pretend like I know, like I know all the, (laughs) the nuances in, in that, but, um, yeah, you might think it's interesting. Um, yeah, no, definitely. That's, um, that sounds really fascinating. I, um, am always looking for, uh, good books. That is, that is one I've heard of and have wanted to read. I've just, um, the other one that, uh, is also, I don't know if you've heard of it or read it is the body keeps score. Oh, yes. Bessel van der Kolk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I, um, Another psychiatry one that I just read that was really good, but it's more schizophrenia. It is schizophrenia related as the center cannot hold. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's like just so much um, that it's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to know. And most of my PhD work was actually focused on cancer. So looking at brain tumors um, and mm. I'm kind of pivoting um, now because I, I, I'm doing more psychiatry. I want to do psychiatry clinically. Um, so I'm pivoting now to, to do more um, psychiatry research. And that was just kind of the, the lab I was in was more focused on um, brain tumors than um, psychiatry diseases. Mm. Well, that's just so, so fascinating. And I think it's amazing that you are raising a little human and also doing everything that you're doing. Um, and I thank you so much for being willing to share your story. I feel, I feel kind of every time I record these episodes, I'm like, don't talk so much, Kate, <laughs> cause I'm a babbler. Um, oh, no. so hopefully you didn't feel like I was <laughs> taking over the conversation. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was fun. It was really fun. So thanks for, thanks for having me. And I hope I didn't ramble on too many times cause I no. Not at all. Hi, baby. <laughs> you got it. She's, she's really <laughs> all right. Well, I'll let you, I'll let you, um, get back to him. Um, but it was really nice talking with you. Uh, yeah, it was so nice to talk to you too. Thanks so much. Yeah. So, um, I'm probably, I'm going to edit it. Um, but I will try to send, this is, I, I have not used the Anchor app to record um, any episodes yet. So this, I'm not sure if I'll be able to send you an edited version before I release it. Um, so is that okay with you? Yeah. I'm going to try. No, like, that's I, okay. I typically try to, okay, okay. Um, I try, I typically try to send people the episode so they can listen before it goes out. Um, and if I can't, Yeah. But that's okay with you. You're good with that. Um, yeah. No, that's okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I've heard of, I've heard of Anchor only on Rambling Runners. He always is Matt Chittam's always giving ads for it. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it sounds good from him. <laughs> but I've never yeah. looked at it otherwise. Um, 
Yeah, it is. It's great. But I just, I have no idea. Typically when I record with Skype, um, I can, my husband edits it and then I can like send it to people before, like I can send it as like an attachment, but I just don't know how this works. So <sighs> don't want to make any promises. I can't. Keep. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, no problem. <laughs> no problem. All right. Well, again, it was really awesome talking with you. I can actually hear my baby screaming now. My husband's probably like, <laughs> oh yeah no I'll, um yeah no it was it was really fun um I know it's it's uh it's always good to to talk to people and maybe we'll meet in person someday <laughs> I'm yeah I hope so from Instagram world it's uh it's always so fun yeah hopefully at some point I don't know if you have any like big I mean right now all races are paused I know <laughs> I at some point hopefully we'll meet each other at something running based <laughs> yeah because yeah, yeah I've been um I'm back back running and I was planning to do a couple races um but actually just around here in DC this um this spring but they are all canceled so we will see <laughs> um mm-hmm. but that's okay. well uh, maybe 2021 <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um but all right we'll have a good rest of your afternoon and enjoy the rest of your week of of uh hanging out all right everybody that concludes the episode with robin i had just the best time speaking with her and i I'm super hopeful that sometime, probably not in 2020, but hopefully 2021, I get to meet her in person and that we are able to um, talk without without the social distancing involved. Um, for more information on the podcast, you can find all of that on Instagram at chasingbravery06. You can also visit the website at www.chasingbravery.com. Stay tuned. I will be releasing a lot more episodes um, in the coming days and weeks. I have a lot of free time on my hands and I am doing my best to make the, doing my best to make the best of it. Um, I will be releasing the first episode of a special series called Pandemic Peace later this evening. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, whatever you're chasing, I hope that you're chasing it bravely.